And as I know that uh, you all have been going through the book of Acts, uh, y'all just saw one of the greatest conversions that we know of biblically, uh, Paul being converted and Jesus showing up. And Jesus showing up with power and authority. Now, now history uh, shows and tells us that Paul was a persecutor of Christians, that he killed Christians, that, that Stephen, when Stephen was stoned to death, Paul was there. Uh, scholars will even say that, that Paul went into homes and dragged out children and women and, and he beat them and said that I will be the destroyer of those who follow the way. Before the terminology Christians came about, it was known as followers of the way. But I want us to make the word of God even more simpler. That as Paul persecuted Christians and Jesus showed up and he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I want you to look in the mirror and, and know that if you haven't decided to follow Jesus, you're a persecutor of Jesus. That you yourself is a persecutor of Jesus. Me, I, I'm, I'm from New Orleans and uh, I live the life of crime. I'm going to make my testimony about myself small, but I'm going to make about my redemptive plan bigger. Is that okay? Amen. So I was in and out of incarceration from juvenile to adult. At 19, I was facing the death penalty. I did 60 months. I did five years flat. I came home a month after Katrina. Uh, Katrina came. I came home doing my thing, doing the same thing that I used to do. But I was holding my son one day, my, my middle son, the one who looked like me, my twin. I'm holding him, and it was like I was daydreaming, and, and the Lord spoke to me. And I, I felt like I had one of these, these solid experiences when Jesus came, and, and the Lord, he opened my eyes, and it's like I was daydreaming. And he was like, Lenore, how long will you do this? How long will you continue to run from me knowing that I have something great for you? And I woke my wife up. It's my wife right there. I woke my wife up and I, and I, and I said, baby, look, man, I, I, think, I think we're going to try Jesus. And, you know, me and my wife been having dealings since our adolescent years. Uh, and, and she was like, okay, whatever. You know, I guess go back to sleep. She was trying to shun me off. She didn't believe it herself. We're going to see that even through scripture. She didn't believe it herself. So we wake up the next morning and we, we go to the church, Grace, and I asked to see the one of the pastors, and I said, well, look, man, I just want to know, could I become a member of your church? He's like, sure, fine. So I had a nine, if you know anything about guns, I had a nine millimeter with a red beam on it. I took it out the baby bag, and he was like, whoa, hold on, what you doing? I'm like, no, sir, I'm not trying to do you anything. Only thing I'm trying to do is I'm making a declaration to Jesus that no longer would I live and have a mindset that I'm going to die by this, but I'm going to trust you. And you have to know that in a true conversion, it's no longer about you, but it's all about Jesus. Look what Paul said. Paul said it like this. He gave his own resume. He said, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisees, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But if you continue to read in that chapter, Paul's next statement will say, but you know what, everything that I counted as gain, I counted as rubbish for the sake of the gospel. And that's what we have to get at in our lives and as we dig into this text, I want us to know that, guess what? You might don't have the same story as me, but your story is no different because at the end of the day, it was sin that separated each and every one of us from Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. It was sin 
And until we make the word of God point to us that we can see our brokenness and our destitute, then really it's just words on a piece of paper. Because the Bible tells me to don't worry about your speck. And I got a plank in my own. So let's go, if you have your Bible, and, and as you're turning now, I'm about to uh, pray, pray briefly. I know we did a lot of praying. The Bible said pray without ceasing, so you better not be tired of praying. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to come before your children, my brothers and sisters of the faith. I pray, Lord, that you would empower me, that you would equip me, that you would let your words, Lord, penetrate to the depths of our soul. That we would see how bad we need Jesus and how we cannot live without him. Lord, your words say who the sun sets free is free indeed. So I declare freedom in this place this morning. I declare, Lord, that you would allow us to experience you like never before. That you would take us from glory to glory. Illuminate your words within our hearts. Bring us to repentance. Bring us to our knees that we may cry out, Son of David, have mercy upon me. So we thank you, Lord, and we praise you. And it's in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So we're going through the book of Acts, and I have been graciously given uh, this passage of Scripture. And what I'm going to do is, because it's, it's, it's a, a, a long, not really a long, but it's a few verses, I'm going to read the entire text. The read the entire text. Uh, Acts chapter 19, and we're starting at verse 20. And I'm going to read the entire text, but then the next thing that is I'm going to do, I'm going to pull pieces from this that the Lord revealed to me to reveal to, to you. And by the end of this, I want us to have hope. We're not going to leave here condemned. We're not going to leave here battered and bruised, but we're going to leave here with hope that long as we have Jesus, they got a song. See, if I was one of those pastors that know how to sing, I'd have started singing just right there. Long as I got King Jesus, I'm telling you. But let's go. Can I get an Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 20. And it says, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is the son of God. Now, this is Saul just got converted, and the shekels fell off of his eyes. And as soon as he was able to see, the first thing that he did is he went and he declared that Jesus is the son of God. Verse 21, and all who heard him were amazed and said, is not this man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is Christ, is the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But this disciple took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. Verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and, to, and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord. 
who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. Now, the Hellenists were just uh, Greek-speaking Jews. They they didn't speak uh, Hebrew or or Aramaic. But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesar and sent him off to Taurus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee, Galilee, sorry, and Samaria had preached and was being built up and walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it multiplied. Look, look, just look at your neighbor and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, it's different this morning. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For your Holy Spirit. For your Holy Spirit. That's my comforter. So if you're going through something, just know that the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit to empower us and comfort us during your struggle. This is going to be different this morning. I don't know. You better wake up. So look what the word of the Lord said in verse 31. I mean, verse 32. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who live in Lydia. There he found a man named Ananias, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. Then Peter said to him, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the windows stood, all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments to Dorcas, made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed and turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And, And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, the tanner. And let the church say amen. Amen. Now what I want to go over is what to expect when Jesus shows up. What to expect when Jesus shows up because We have to know that in the natural, if you hear of a hurricane or a tornado coming, you know what to expect. Correct? That I know if a hurricane is coming, then I know how winds are coming. I know how waters is coming. And maybe I might even lose electricity. 
But as men and women of God, we have to know to, what to expect when Jesus shows up in our life. And we're going to see even through these verses that we're going to highlight what that we should expect because none of us is different. None of us is different. We might have a different walk of life. We might have a different journey. We may have a different um, gifts that God has placed within us. But one thing that we all have in common besides loving Jesus is that you have to bear your own cross. You have to bear your cross. I tell my kids daily that, guess what? You have to love Jesus for yourself. Because me and you are not going to stand before Jesus and he's not going to ask you, well, why your daddy did this or did that. You're going to have to be held accountable for your own actions. So let's go to verse 20. And one of the first things that, that I want us to see when Jesus shows up, boldness and power follows through the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in verse 20. It says, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. This is a conversion that a man that declared that he would try to destroy each and every person that was a follower of the way. The minute the Holy Spirit entered into him, the same thing that he tried to destroy is the same thing that he went to uplift We also see in the book of Acts in chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on Peter, Peter preached with boldness the same Peter that denied Jesus three times. That when the Holy Spirit fell upon him, he had boldness. And if you read the text even longer, you will see that they laughed and they marveled and said, we know that they are men of uneducated men, but what? We could tell that they've been with the Lord. That only comes through the Holy Spirit. Follow me on this one here. One lie that the enemy uses to hinder many believers is the notion that they aren't called to spread the gospel message of Jesus everywhere they go. That's That's one of the biggest lies that the enemy used to hinder the kingdom of God moving is that each and every one of us, that you have to be behind this pulpit to go forth and declare the goodness of Jesus, and that's a lie. I've heard all these excuses from I'm not a preacher. That's not my calling. To them even getting blatant, it says, well, that's for people like you. But Jesus left a commission in Matthew 28, 19. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus left this commission. And it wasn't just for the disciples, but it was for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus to be saved. And it says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to look at your neighbor one more time. We're going to be looking today. Look at your neighbor and say, go. Go. I say go. Because we have to know that each and every one of us is called to this. All of us. Look, look let me show you something. When Jesus shows up in one's life, one thing that has been granted to them is the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation that that he inputted into each and every one of us that we are used to restore the lost back to himself. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it will testify of me. So when we're full of the spirit of the living God, that he will bring us to 
to this way or that way, and you don't have to be behind a pulpit, but guess what? It starts at your workplace. I have a question. If I was to go to your school or to your workplace and I ask them, whatever your name is, Bob, Joe, if I say, hey, is Joe a Christian, would they say that's all Joe talks about? Or would they say, I ain't even know Joe go to church? Think about that. To make disciples or be used as a disciple maker by the Lord, just let me give you the little Greek definition. It, it, it's helping someone to progressively learn the word of God to become mature, a learner, a true Christ follower, to train or develop in the truths of scripture and the lifestyle, helping a believer learn to be a disciple or Christ in his belief and practice. We have to know that we're not saved by words. This is not a work message by fault. We understand scripture is plain that we're saved by grace. But because the grace of God is on our lives, we produce the fruits of righteousness. Amen. The Bible tells us that we've been saved for good works. Jesus said it like this. He said, look, this is what you can do. You can examine that tree and you will know them by their fruit. I can't say that I'm a man of God, but... My life is just blatant rebellion, and I'm on a destructive path. And they will be like, man, what? I thought you was a Christian. But if you look at it, that's America today. That's right. A few years ago, uh, statistics showed that 80-plus percent of America said there was Christians. But just like anything, you can use the Bible for whatever you want if you preach it out of text. That's right. We, we see that in... Uh, he just mentioned it today, Church of Virginia. They're using the word of God as this is my belief system, but everywhere I look at it says love. Amen. That might be the message version. Uh, <laughs> y'all catch that later on as y'all grow. <laughs> y'all catch that later on as y'all grow. Don't worry about that. You'll get that later. So, so we can see from the beginning of Saul and Paul's conversion, the Holy Spirit led him to fulfill the ministry of reconciliation and also the Great Commission that was granted to all of us. So uh, that leads me to my first question, and I want you all to ponder on this for five seconds. What, if anything, is holding you back from preaching Jesus to the lost? Everywhere you go. Think about that for five seconds. What, if anything, is holding you back from preaching Jesus to the lost everywhere you go? We have a saying, I know we all heard the saying, a closed mouth don't get fed. A closed mouth don't get fed. If the enemy can silence us from preaching Jesus, then really we're not bearing fruit. We're, we're not passing along. My, my wife always tell me with my kids, I talk to them a lot. If one of them do something, I'm lining all of them up. I got three boys. I'm lining all of them up. This is a life lesson for everybody. I don't care if one did it. You might do it two years down later. We're going to talk about this right now. Amen. And my wife said, man, you just talked to them. You've been talking to them for three hours. Well, they ain't got nothing to do. Anyway, they don't have nothing to do. I'm going to talk to them because if I don't train them, what you think training is? Training is me explaining to them why you don't do what you just did. 
in helping them understand that if I don't tell you this, then you know what you're going to do? You're going to crash. You're going to crash. So it's our job. Is it because you live, you believe the lie pertaining to the question I just asked, why don't you preach Christ everywhere you go? Is it because you believe the lie that you don't know enough scripture? Because that's something that the enemy will place in your spirit. Well, I don't know scriptures like that. I only know John 3, 16. But follow me on this, though. If so, your testimony has the power of the cross, the grace that the Lord poured in your life, and how that radically changed you from being a wicked person to a righteous one because Jesus is what you declare. This is more than enough ammunition to lay before the lost because your personal life transformation is received more genuinely than to quote Bible verses to most who don't even believe it. Because I could quote Bible scripture and Bible scripture to an atheist and to him, that's like reading a novel. He don't care about that. But when I say, look what I once was and look what I am now, Everybody I witness to who don't believe Jesus, you know what I tell them? Religion couldn't save somebody like me. See, religion is just a form of do's and don'ts, and eventually we can see in the Old Testament that you would never fulfill it. So eventually my ways would have went back to what it was because sin still resides in me. But it wasn't till a water, you know, we know the water purifier, and, and you know, once you turn it on, all the, what it's supposed to do anyway, all the things, the bacteria things that's no good, it, it's supposed to clean it out and it flows nothing but clean water. Well, how you know that we got the living water? Mm. And a purifier is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And once the spirit of the living God lives in us, everything that's not needed, he starts purging us out. That's right. That pride, he's going to get rid of it. Right. That lust, he's going to get rid of it. Uh-huh. That anger, he's going to get rid of it. Long as you say, Lord... Purge me from the inside out. Because I can't say that I want the Lord to change me, but I'm not exercising the spiritual disciplines for him to do it. That's why it's important that we become students of God's word. And I'm going before myself, but I don't want... Yeah. Walk with me on this one here. When Jesus shows up, remember, the name of our title is when Jesus shows up. What to expect. So we see that when Jesus shows up, the first thing that we can expect is boldness and power that follows through the Holy Spirit. And that was in Acts 9.20 when Paul went preaching the word of God. Number two, when Jesus shows up, transformation occurs. Transformation occurs. When we have truly said, you know what, Lord? Cleanse me, change me, rearrange me. Now, don't get me wrong. A physical change, you still going to look the same. Don't think that, oh, if I give my life to the Lord, I'm going to look like when I was 18. No. No, that ain't what that means. It's not that kind of transformation. If you have that, that bump on your right arm, you still going to have that right arm. But the transformation is going to be from the inside out. Amen. That your desires will start to change. That things that you thought like, man, I, I like to go to the club, but... Now, since I'm reading that word and and the Lord is working on me, now I see that as foolishness. 
When Jesus showed up, transformation occurs. But guess what happens with that transformation? That will bring discord, and now a bullseye is placed on the back of the Jesus Father. You have to know that when you give your life to the Lord, that it's not going to get easy. Uh-oh, I, I heard somebody feeling. They told me, I thought I was going to hit the lottery. No, you're not going to hit the lottery. No, it's not going to get easier. Suffering comes with the cross. Suffering comes with it. It, it. That's just part of it. But what makes it easier is that it's easier to deal with. Because now I know that I don't have to carry my own burdens. That when it get heavy on me, the only thing I have to do is go to the cross and say, Jesus, you died for this. Jesus, this is too hard for me to carry. He'll take it. But those who don't know Jesus, they have to carry their own burdens. That's why most suicide rates are higher in those who don't know Jesus than those that do. Amen. Now, don't get me wrong. The enemy creep in that, that people who, who have the form of godliness and, and they know a little about the Lord and, and he creep in and he'll make them kill themselves too. That's right. Don't get it twisted. He, he wants you too. That's right. But when you know what you know and you know who you know, you know that, guess what? This is not even my problem. Amen. I give this to you, Lord. And if I have to carry it, just strengthen me that I can walk through it. Look, in verse 21 and 22, we, we see this. We see that transformation occurs and that brings discord. Verse 21 in, in Acts chapter 9, and it says, And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who call upon his name and has not come here for this purpose? To bring them bound before the chief priests? So they said, he talking about he following Jesus, he a disciple, but didn't he come this way to kill people? What happened from him leaving to him getting here that now he don't want to kill, but he won't bring life? That's what Jesus do. So look, verse 22 says, it says, but Paul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Amen. Now I want you to see this here, that, that, and, and I'm going to read this first, but I, I'm, I want you to see this here. Look, listen to this. We must know and accept the fact that it doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus one day, one month, one year, or even 20 years. They will always have people who see you for the person you were rather than the person Jesus is and has transformed in you now. Amen. You have to accept this. You, you, you cannot come to the point where you say, I'm going to show them that I'm a Christian. I'm not that person anymore. For real, listen to me. No, no, no. You have to accept it that it's going to be people that say, guess what? I don't care as long as I know him. He's still such and such. And that's fine. Because our prayer is, Lord, enlighten their hearts that they see you and not me. Amen. Because as long as they see me, I'm a failure. Right. I, I don't know about you. I don't care if you have degrees or if you have this or if you have that. Sin makes you a failure. Right. But because I have Jesus, that's what I need them to see. And look, what the, look, 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 look what it says. 
You must know they have an enemy that is blinding them from seeing the light of Jesus in you. And when rough times come in your life, the devil will even try to blind you into thinking that you're still the old person that you once were. One thing I learned when I was going through tests before I got mature in the faith, one of my first things always was, man, what am I doing wrong? Anybody went through that? You was going through something, the first thing that you start looking internal, like, Lord, what am I doing wrong? What, what caused me to go through this? But that was because of lack of maturity. See, we have to know that anything that we go through is for the glory of God. Anything we go through, and also some things that we go through because it's the purging of things that we don't need. One of, the, one of the greatest things that I learned during my testing and my trial is that in my faithfulness, even if I got discouraged or even if these things happened, whatever it was, even if I said, man, I can't even do this no more, when it was all said and done, I came out stronger. I came out strong because I thought that I couldn't carry it, but when I stayed bringing it to his feet, it allowed me to see that each step he was taking the bag off. He was taking this baggage off. It's like going rock climbing. We went to Guatemala, right? And we had to do a lot of walking. But one thing that they told us is that we're going on this high hiking trip, hiking trip. Make sure that you pack light. Make sure that you pack light. You're like, pack light, man. Shoot, boy, I need 10 bottles of water. I don't know what you're talking about. I need all this help. But what they was trying to see is that the more that you get higher, the heavier everything else becomes. You follow me? That the more, the higher that the Lord take you into knowing who he is, the harder your test is going to be. The harder the enemy is going to fight. Because he know one thing that your life is not about you, but it's about seeing the kingdom of God expand. And that's what he don't want. That's what he don't want. But you have to know this. That when your rough times come, you must never forget that your identity is found in Jesus. It's not in the opinion of others. It's not in your failures. It's not even in the victories that the Lord leads you through. Let me me say that again. Let me say that again. But you must never forget that your identity is found in Jesus. Your identity alone is found in Jesus. Not in the opinion of others, not in your failures, not even in the victories that the Lord leads you through. But your identity alone is found in Jesus. Look what Romans 6 say. Romans 6, verses 6 through 8. Look look what this say. Listen to what it said. It says this. It says, we know that our old self was crucified with him, with Jesus. In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We have to be confident in knowing the fact that our identity is found in Christ. The enemy will try to steal your identity daily, every second of the day, especially if you slip up, if you make a, 
oh, man, he's going to bring that condemnation, bring that condemnation. But you have to know that through Christ I'm loved, that I'm forgiven, that the only thing I have to say is, Lord, I know it's me again. I was on this, I was driving on the highway, the person bumped in front of me. Lord, I didn't mean to keep my hand on the steering wheel all the way down and blow behind him. I didn't try to do that. I supposed to show grace. See, that, that, that's when y'all think about praying for me, pray, pray for me in, in that road rage. I, I'm better, not old. I'm better. I, the Bible says confess your sins before your brother. So I'm confessing my sins that, that I do. I, I dealt with that for many years, you know, because how they be driving bad and at one point in time, when they cut in front of me without a blank or something, I usually stay on the horn, probably like a mile or something, you know, to let them know that I saw what they just did, right? But I came a long way. I'm not that bad no more. Right now, I just say, Lord, bless them. But, you know, I got better. For real. Amen. I came a long way. Transformation. What are we talking about? Look what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. It, says. it says it like this. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. We could never forget that, that during our testing and our trials, it has nothing to do with what we did wrong. But it has everything to do with our transformation process. Now, we can be in rebellion against God and, you know, yeah, he will chastise those he loves. But if we are seeking his face and we are doing what he has called us to do, and when testing and trials comes, we have to just say, Lord, see me through. So when Jesus shows up, we must know during the testings and the trials, we will be protected. So we, 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 we see, as, as we continue on, we see that when Jesus shows up, boldness and power comes. We see that transformation occurs. And my third and final point that we can see through this text is that when Jesus shows up, we must know during the testing and the trials, we will be protected. During the trust testing and the trials, we will be protected. Let's look. Let's see verse 23 through 25, and we can see that right here. It says, many days had passed. The Jews plotted to kill him, tried to kill Paul. But their plot became known to Saul. Listen to this now. Saul tried to kill Christians forever. Once he came over to Jesus, they decided to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. You know what they call that? It's a church term. Discernment. Look at your neighbor and say, thank you, Lord, for discernment. Because if it wasn't the discernment of the spirit of Paul, Paul wouldn't have never knew. Look, look, I like to let scripture reflect scripture. Look what the word says. The word says we are not ignorant of the enemy devices. We're not ignorant that, that the Lord will reveal the tricks and schemes of the enemy long as we say, Lord, reveal this to me. Discernment. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. There was, in the street term, they call that lurking. There was lurking to kill him. There was like, man, where he at? Where he at? But the Lord then revealed it already. Verse 25. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in the basket. 
I want y'all to say these words, words with me right quick, and, and then we're going we're gonna to hit some points, and then we're going to go through a few more things. But, but say these words with me. Uh, say, Lord, unclog the ears of my heart that I may be sensitive to your spirit when you are leading me from this day forth. See, it was because Paul's spiritual ears was unclogged that he was able to hear what the spirit of this Lord was saying and revealing the tricks and schemes of the enemy. And if our ears are clogged up, how can we hear? Jesus said it like this, simple. My sheep shall know my voice and they go to no other. It's like a baby. When a baby comes out the womb, from the time of the baby uh, in, a, in a mother's womb, the daddy, the father, the mother, you know, talking to the baby, this and that. And by the baby is six months years old, the baby know their parents' voice. The baby know their parents. Let me show you. This is a true story. And I didn't think about this when I was preparing the word, but the Lord just revealed this to me. I always had a beard, right? At one time, I, I didn't have a beard. You know, I was, the, you know, clean shave, whatever, you know, right? So I had a beard. And my young, my, my middle son, I shaved my beard off. And he didn't know who I was. He was like, oh, no, he was running around from me, but he was a baby, baby. But when he was a baby, I used to always say, daddy, baby, daddy, baby, right? And he'll be laughing like, yeah, daddy, baby. So when I shaved my beard off, he didn't know who I was. But when I went to saying, daddy, baby, daddy, baby, then he stopped crying and he went to looking like, I know that voice, but you ain't looking how you used to look. See, that's, that's going to preach right there. You have to know one thing. Now, guess what? You have to know Jesus' voice. Because there's going to be times in your life when it's not going to look how you think it should look. Or he not coming how you think he is coming. But because you know his voice, you're not lured away from nothing. Because when I said daddy, baby, daddy, baby, baby knew daddy was, right? So when we're going through our testing, when he said my son in the midst of a storm and everything is chaotic. I could hear his voice and say, Daddy, that's you. Where, where should I go? I, I, I don't understand. I, I never saw this type of storm before, but I trust you. Say it. Say, Lord, I trust you. I know many of us heard and may even have heard, quoted the scripture, Isaiah 54, 17. It says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You need to declare that in your life when you're going through circumstances. Declare that, Lord, your words say no weapon formed against me shall prosper. They going to form, they going to flip, they going to turn, they even going to hit me. But guess what? I, I read Ephesians 6 and I put on the armor of God every day. Every day, even though it hit me, it knocked me down. But I'm going to get back up and say, Lord, you know what? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And we see that even with Paul. That the enemy tried to destroy Paul, but Paul was sensitive to the voice of God and the Lord led him. Romans 8.31 says it like this. What then, what then shall we say to, those, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen to this. If God is for us, who can be against us? I love that text because even in the context, the scripture is really given a list of the assuring hope that we have through Jesus, 
through his love and his protection. And that alone deserves a hallelujah. And thank you, Jesus. Give Jesus a hand clap, please, very much, please. Listen to this. In verse 23 through 25, we see that as soon as Paul was converted, that the enemy tried to bring someone to kill him. That within itself should be a reminder to us all that there's no loyalty when you're dancing with the devil. There's no loyalty with the devil. Please, I, I hope you know that. I hope you don't think that you can, like, play both sides of the fence and, you know, you, well, yeah, the, the, the devil would. He promised me this or he promised me that. You know, they got a saying they sold it, sold for rock and roll. They sold it, sold for the money and this and that. But there's no loyalty with the enemy. It's none. It's so no loyalty that Jesus gave us his description. He says the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. That's his mission. But you know what, though? Even though he's out to do that, we got a Savior that says, guess what? But God. I love that part in the Bible. When did you see that? But God, those two words right there. Lord, you should look at your life and say, I was this, but God. I was on my way to this, but God, because Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. So in conclusion, in conclusion, uh, so let us put all this together to help us get a bigger picture of what happens when Jesus shows up in a believer's life outside the three points that we just touched on. Um, Knowing that the first point was when Jesus shows up, boldness and power comes through the Holy Spirit. Uh, when Jesus shows up, transformation occurs. And even with that, discord and the bullseye will be placed on a Jesus follower. And our third point was when Jesus shows up, we must know during the testing and the trials that we will be protected. But I want to see a few things that happen also when Jesus shows up in our lives. When Jesus shows up, he turns our heart to look for complete satisfaction from him. When Jesus truly shows up in our life, our satisfaction is no longer from the things of the world, but we look at satisfaction from Jesus alone. When Jesus shows up, he sends us out to influence the world around us for his glory. When Jesus truly shows up, he sends us out to influence the world. When Jesus shows up, we aren't consumed by worry, but we know he's our provider, protector. And in his sovereignty, he's in control of everything. When Jesus shows up, our trust and dependence turns to him and not ourselves. We don't have to make a power move. We don't have to try to chase that bag. We don't have to do that because guess what? He said that if I seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, everything else will be added. I don't have to worry about that. When Jesus shows up, we are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that should be our prayer daily. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me that I may walk genuine and in discernment. So I'm going to give you a, a, a few practical ways on how we can grow in these areas of trusting and depending on the Lord. Uh, the first practical way would be pray daily that the Lord will remove any sin that's in your life that is hindering you from being 
who he called you to be. That would be the first practical way. Pray daily. Something that I know all of you all doing. Y'all look like you know, prayer warriors, mighty men and women of God out there. Uh, pray daily that the Lord will remove any sin that's in your life that is hindering you from being who he called you to be. Number two, not only pray on it, but flee from sin. Scripture tells us that. Don't just pray on it, but you flee from sin. Let me give you an example. That I can't say that I'm trying to be delivered from lust if I watch porn every night and don't guard my eyes. Jesus said it like this. If your eyes cause you to sin, plug it out. That if I know if I'm dealing with addiction, why I'm hanging around people that's going to draw me back to the addiction. So we have to do, you know, do our part, you know. Jesus is not going to come down and tie your shoe. He ain't going to brush your teeth. So, you know, we, we have to do our spiritual discipline. Not to be saved, but that we can grow in maturity because we are saved, right? Amen? You have to stay in fellowship with your body of believers. You have a Bible teaching home right here, Pastor Sergio. I, I love the, the vision that he has, you know, uh, something that he didn't share. One of the things that I am asked with because I'm going out as a church planner, uh, like Brother Howard. I wish he was here. That's my brother. I love him, too. But uh, I'm going out as a church planner, and, and that's something that is, is our heart's desire as well, a diverse church, because that's what it's all about. Um, so y'all are at a, a good church where y'all can grow discipleship, and, and I encourage y'all to get plugged in that also. Um, number three, be a steward of God's word. Be a steward of God's word, meaning study daily. Meditate on God's word and memorize God's word. I would encourage you, what we do is with our community group, our home group, uh, the one that we lead, one thing that I do is I make worksheets like this that we go over. We'll go over the passage of scripture or whatever, but I give a memory verse at the end, and it's the memory verse for the whole month. Might be just one verse. Jesus wept. All right, remember that then. <laughs> It'll be that one verse. But that's because the job is to put the word of God in them. And that's what be my encouragement to y'all. Get y'all a verse, one verse. And you memorize for the whole month. If, if you're good with it and the Holy Spirit just bring it to you alive like that, well, you do it every week then. But the job is to fulfill, I think it's Psalms 191, when he says, your word, 119, your word I have hidden in my heart that I sin not against thee. That's the job, to get the word of God in our heart so when the enemy bring these things, guess what we can do like Jesus is to say, it is written. Because he'll tempt you with that word. But we have to know the word till we say, no, Satan, it is written. Number five, it would be, have an accountability partner. You, have to, you, you can't be a long ranger thinking you're trying to follow Jesus. Jesus did not call us to be long rangers. It's community. As my brother said today, community. We call to fight through this together, walk through this together. You have to have an accountability partner who you can reveal your heart to and will help you overcome every obstacle through the grace of God. You have to have that. So in closing, when Jesus shows up in our lives, we are no longer enemies of God, but we are sons and daughters. When Jesus shows up in our lives, we know, we know that we are forgiven. We are loved. We live in no condemnation. 
When Jesus shows up in our lives, we are new creations. We are more than conquerors. When Jesus shows up in our lives, we are filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit to overcome sin. When Jesus shows up in our lives, we know as he was raised from the dead and lives with the Father, we know that we will live and reign with him forever. And for that, we lift up our voices. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I want you to say this. Say this with me. Say, show up in my life, Lord. Show up in my life. And this last thing that I'm going to leave you with is in verse 33 and 34. Because it's one or more other thing that happens when Jesus shows up. Verse 33 and 34. Listen to this. It says, there he found a man named Ananias, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. When Jesus shows up, he makes our life whole. That your brokenness, your incompleteness, your your, your thriving to find identity. When Jesus shows up in your life, he makes your life whole. And with that, I just want y'all to bow your heads because this is going to be a time of reflection. And I just want you to bow your heads and um, we have Pastor Sergio up here, Sister Sophia, the leaders of the church. And, and if the Lord have been moving on your heart and stirring in your heart that, you know what, brother, as I'm looking through scripture, I see that I need some areas in my life where I need Jesus to show up. I, I need Jesus to not just show up, but I need him to show out in my life. We're going to have some men and women of God up here to, to pray for you if, if, you're, if you just need to say, you know what, Lord, I need to give you my life. I never surrendered my life to Jesus, and Lord, come into my life, and, and, and I want to accept Jesus. I encourage you to come up also. We'll be up here to pray for you for whatever your need is. Um, we'll, we'll take this time of reflection right now.